When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Free kick for Atleti. Good opportunity to give a shout to a blog, a, a US fan club of Atletico Madrid called Into the Calderon. Do some really good content for all followers of the Colchoneros. A decent base in the United States as well, following the action on ESPN+. Give them a follow. At into the corridor. Because if it doesn't record, then you know we don't have a podcast. <laughs> oh no. All right. Well, n- now it looks good. Okay, we're rolling. Yeah. It, it is time for a Tuesday Colch Narrow Chat. I'm Jeremy, joined by Sam, and we've got a lot to get through today, man. So let's dive right into a, a, an historic Saturday night at the Civitas Metropolitano. Atletico hosting Sevilla. And I, I think you and I were, were both pretty cautiously optimistic on our pod last week. Sevilla in, in really bad form. Uh, they they had been slightly improving, but they are, are still knee-deep in that relegation fight, Sam. And we just lost Ray Nildo for the season, our best defender. So I, I think we were both kind of reasonably, cautiously optimistic. So imagine my surprise when we just kept banging in the goals in an eventual 6-1 to one win. I know, in, in my group WhatsApp with some friends, I mean, one of the, the guys got a season ticket put on there like my oh, guys I don't think I'm going to go it's a cold Saturday night I've got other things I'd rather be doing I'm watching us play Sevilla with a 1-0 win and I know exactly what's going to happen and somebody replied saying yeah watch Atleti win 5-0 now yeah. <laughs> and just, we all laughed you know like, okay Sevilla they're not in great form but uh, yeah <laughs> come on let's be realistic this is this is Atletico yeah okay they've been playing quite well ever late but but yeah, I mean, who saw that coming? I'm not sure any of us would have expected a 6-1 win or six goals even, which is the first time at the Metropolitano with fans there. Obviously, Granada in that season behind closed doors during COVID yep. scored six in the, the first game of the season. And, and this was the first time since. So, yeah, I mean, a real landmark result and performance for a landmark occasion. And going even further back, Sam, that's the first time we've scored six or more at home with fans since uh, Granada at the Calderon back in 2016. That was October of 2016. Uh, and, of course, Diego Simeone was in charge for that game, as he has been for so many over the past 11 years. He broke uh, Luis Aragonis' club record for games managed on Saturday. It was a big occasion, and I'm glad his his team showed up for him. Um, and I mentioned this on the, the Patreon pod after the game, and I want to see if you agree with it, Sam. 
that I think Diego Simeone might have his team back after a, a pretty lengthy stretch dating back to last season where we weren't so sure. Yeah, no, I mean, at the tail end of last season, much of the first half of this season, it felt like Diego Simeone had lost control almost of the dressing room, that these players weren't playing for Diego Simeone, that, that this wasn't a Diego Simeone Atletico Madrid team, and it was just a matter of time until another coach came in and took over. But I think that Olympieta, uh, that, that clean-out of the squad in the winter window, um, with a pretty obvious group of players slash friends slash social circle has really had an impact and this definitely feels like a Diego Simeone team and I think the clearest illustration of that was Antoine Griezmann when he scored his goal we all know that Antoine Griezmann has a particularly special relationship with Diego Simeone but when he scored that goal which was a fantastic goal he ran straight over to Diego Simeone to hug him and and all of the players followed. This wasn't like Antoine Griezmann on his own and Jao Felix is on the other side of the pitch doing his own thing. This was everybody going together with Griezmann to, to celebrate with Diego Simeone. So, so, I think, yeah, this is... I feel a lot more optimistic about Diego Simeone at Atletico Madrid now than, than I think anybody did a couple of months ago. Oh, certainly. Uh, and and we'll, we'll get to Griezmann and his stunning performance in, in just a moment here. Sam, but this is now seven unbeaten in La Liga, and Atletico are up to third, where they usually end the season most years, um, despite it not looking particularly likely just a few short weeks ago when Real Sociedad had that seven-point advantage. I think it was larger than that, actually. It might have been nine points, but they've had a, a dip in form recently, and Atletico have certainly taken advantage now one point ahead of the Basques and four points ahead of Real Betis, who drew with Real Madrid in the late game on a Sunday. A Simeone through 613 games has more victories than Arsene Wenger or Sir Alex Ferguson accrued over in England. And, and of course, those two managers kind of regarded as the benchmarks for longevity, right? Especially Sir Alex. Um, 613 games is a lot. And you know, Ben Hayward on his Substack, and you know Ben, uh, had the he wrote about the following coincidence. Atletico scored six, allowed one, and got three points on Simeone's 613th game in charge. It's it, a creative way of looking at it. He, call, he called it a perfect night in the post game. This was, I think, just um, uh, just after he planted a kiss on Antoine Griezmann's cheek while Griezmann was talking to the media. Um, we, we could spend an entire hour, two hours, reflecting on, on Simeone and what he's done for this club and how he's, he's transformed Atletico entirely just he's turned everything upside down um I, I wonder if we could find a succinct way for both of us maybe to sum up what 613 games what this mark means putting it into context and yeah i don't really know where i'm going with this but um it, it's it's an, it's an, an amazing record an amazing like touchstone of longevity because no coach lasts this long anymore no, I mean, I was just um, just on my way back home and I was just looking at something and it came up. I'm sure this will be a, a whole other world to quite a few of our listeners, but Bristol City in the Championship, the second division of English football, they were tweeting that tonight was the 600th match of his career as a manager for their coach, Nigel Pearson, mm. who was at Leicester in the Premier League, you might remember him. Yep. But this is a guy who started his coaching career in 1998 
He's had 13 jobs. He's managed in six different divisions and with the England under-21s national team. And he's only at 600. That's 13 less than Diego Simeone just with Atletico Madrid. <laughs> wow. I, mean, I think that kind of puts into context. A yeah, bit. it does. This is a guy who, who hasn't been unemployed and just hanging around a lot. He's he's pretty much been in non-stop employment for most of that time. I mean, since 2006, basically, he's not been out of a job for more than six months. So to be in this kind of, that kind of comparison kind of puts it into context a little bit that, that it's an incredible achievement for Diego Simeone because 600 games is, I mean, the whole club was different, a different club crest, a different stadium, different expectations, a completely different squad and financial reality for the club. And I mean, I think it, listening to some fans talking after the game as well in some Spanish Twitter spaces, podcasts and things. And they were all saying that we forget that like Simeone's worst, if we say that this season perhaps is Simeone's worst, this is better than the best of almost any Atletico Madrid coach in the past. And, and that's true. So to stretch that out over 600 games and still have your worst moment be better than the best of most coaches, I think is just incredible. It's hard to put into words exactly how big an achievement this is. Yeah, uh, Miguel Quintana of Radio Marca yesterday said, uh, Atletico's floor with Simeone is higher than their ceiling under any other coach. And yeah. he, he also said that Atletico's league season seems very consistent to me. It seems uh, like they have the, the regularidad, the consistency again. And that is also Diego Simeone's fault. Uh, as, essentially, Atletico are, are now likely going to end up where, where they usually end up. Third place, um, you know, obviously well inside the top four. A, a bit off the pace that Madrid and Barcelona set, uh, but uh, the best of the rest. And... Uh, that is, of course, a, a major credit to Diego Simeone and also for the club for listening to the coach and for perhaps removing some maybe toxic elements from the dressing room uh, in January. Uh, everything seems to be a bit brighter, a bit more optimistic around the club and in turn, perhaps around Simeone's future, which we'll talk about a little later on. Uh, let's talk about Antoine Griezmann, Sam, uh, because this was... Uh, even for him, a particularly outstanding performance. He assists the game's first goal for his former Barcelona teammate, Memphis. He gets the, the secondary assist, the hockey assist on the second goal, also scored by Memphis, and the 1,000th that I could have scored in the Simeone era. Griezmann scores the third goal. He plays the long ball for Llorente uh, before Llorente sets up Barrios, who sets up Carrasco on the fourth goal. And then Griezmann should be credited with an assist on the fifth goal, but he won't be because Morata's initial uh, shot was saved before he put in the rebound. So Griezmann in indirectly or directly contributed to five goals on Saturday uh, in what it, probably his best performance of the season and one of his, I would say, best ever for the club. Yeah, I mean, it was that good, wasn't it? I mean, yeah. it was an incredible performance, a really strong display and he looked like a guy who was in the mood I mean to, to put it that, that basically I mean it looked like a guy who wanted to do something and I think that we talk about Diego Simeone and, and whatever and I think that it was clear that, that nobody was more motivated than him 
um, to produce that performance for for Diego Simeone for his friend El Cholo, and I mean he was just everywhere. I mean, literally <laughs> everywhere. He covered every blade of grass. It felt like every attacking move he was there. He did everything. He did the the killer pass to set up Memphis. He did the incredible finish to score his goal. I mean, it was just one of those where you look at it and you just say, "Is there anything you can't do?" Like, are we just going to like watch the Antoine Griezmann show because it was that good? And I think, yeah, I mean, we have to just kind of sit down and realize this isn't just you know uh, a fantastic display, but this is probably also you know the best player individual player individual talent in La Liga not just at Atletico Madrid but in La Liga at the moment and and that's what Antoine Griezmann is and he turns 32 in a couple of weeks and a year ago it looked very much like he was slowing down and heading toward the twilight of his career uh, now it's the complete opposite and we've talked a lot especially in recent weeks Sam about how uh, Griezmann's resurgence how at least for me it was really unexpected and how he's transformed himself as a player once again and might now even be a better player than he was five years ago when he could have won a Ballon d'Or. 64 touches on Saturday, nine shot-creating actions, three goal-creating actions, 13 progressive passes, 43 carries, two take-ons, two two pass blocks, a tackle and interception, two clearances. He was everywhere and did everything. Um, And... He spoke after the game about how meaningful this was for him and how meaningful it was for Simeone, who those two do have a very special and very close relationship. And I think we're all pretty happy that Griezmann ended up staying and the club worked out that that situation with Barcelona regarding his obligation to buy. Uh, Griezmann is now the, the top assistant in La Liga with eight this season. Uh, we'll see if he ends the season there. Who I I don't know the answer to this, so this isn't like a, a gotcha question. But who was the last Atletico player to lead the league in assists? Did Koke get there once? I feel like it might have been Koke, or maybe even either Jordan. Going, I don't know. I wouldn't yeah, say I'd leading the league in assists is something that I'm not sure any Atleti player has done for quite some time. Even that 2013-14 season, I'm gonna take a look at the, the stats and see if I can find it. But I feel like Aleti haven't had a player like that, especially over the last 10 or 15 years in La Liga where we've had Javis, the Andres, and the Esther, right. the, the Meza Urzels, the Karim Benzema. Yeah, I'm just looking now, the 2013-14 season, Koke got 11 assists, but that was sixth in La Liga behind Iniesta, Urzel, Fabregas, Messi and Benzema. That's pretty good company. So, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's not bad. I don't know, actually, that's 2013-14. But yeah, Coque, the following season, was on 15, second behind Angel Di Maria. There you but, go. Yeah, I mean, it's hard to to picture exactly who could have been. 2020-2021, Marco Llorente was second on 11, behind that Iago Aspas on 13. I mean, it's, it's hard to imagine any other years in recent memory where an Atleti player could have been in that top row. So, yeah. Yeah. Give me a minute to, to scroll through the stats <laughs> and I will see when the last time was, but certainly nobody springs to mind as, as that creative force. And Llorente was close a couple of years ago. I think he was the only player, it was either he was the only one or Iago Aspas was the other one who had double-digit goals and assists, and he was close to leading the assist charts. But 
yeah, Griezmann has, I think, a really good chance if this form continues, which we've seen no indication that it's going to stop anytime soon. Um, if this form rolls on, Griezmann could end the season as the uh, top assistant in La Liga. Uh, he, he set up the first goal uh, for Memphis, who scored twice, uh, including a, a second goal that was at the, the very edge of the penalty area, an outrageous finish. Um, I think every bit as good as Griezmann's finish early in the second half. What did you uh, see from Memphis? What did you make of his performance, his first start for Atletico? And he gets a couple of goals. Yeah, I mean, it looked like a, a number nine, right? I mean, he was kind of in that area, in that position. He was on the, with the last shoulder of the defender. And I thought it was quite interesting because even kind of very early on in the game, he looked like he was kind of in that position there was a chance right in the first of the second minute I think it might have been that he was right on the shoulder ready to go through and get onto the end of a of a run and and almost managed it he just tried to go around Bono and ended up running it off the pitch basically um and then it was a very similar move that to one which then came down the other side for the first goal when Griezmann fed him in and completely split the severe defence, which mm-hmm. isn't too challenging at first, but <laughs> no. he looked good. And from that point on, he just looked a little bit more confident, a little bit more kind of believing in himself. And I think we saw that when he started kind of having those shots, like the shot that he he would score on to, to get that chance. And um, I mean, that was a fantastic goal. And that's the kind of goal that we haven't seen yeah. at Atletico Madrid for, for quite some time. Um, we haven't really had a player who takes those kind of shots or has that kind of opportunity in the ring. If I try to think of it, I think of Thomas Lemar against Hetafe a few years ago. It was like pretty much the last time that we had a an attempt on goal, a goal scored from distance in that way like that one. So I think it kind of puts it into perspective that we haven't had too many goals like that in recent years. And, and if Memphis can bring that to the table with Atletico, that's a very useful tool to have in now yeah if 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 we've got a, a killer here uh then that that changes the the equation for the short and medium term future uh if memphis is going to consistently show that not only that that kind of confidence uh, but composure that technical quality and ability that's huge for for Atletico and only acquired him for what amounted to a solidarity payment, right? From our, for Barcelona, just around 3 million euro, another gift from the folks up at, at Camp Now Spotify. Uh, two goals from two shots on target. That's as efficient, literally as efficient as it gets. And as you wrote in your three things, uh, for instance, the Calderon, Sam, there's some nice competition bubbling now between Memphis and Morata, who came off the bench with around 25 minutes to go in Memphis's place and scored two goals himself. Yeah, I mean, I think we forget that Alvaro Morata, I think we saw a stat today, is the second highest goal scorer in La Liga if we exclude penalties. Incredible. Um, because it doesn't seem like I it. Mean, it doesn't feel like it, does it? I mean, you watch Alvaro Morata and you think, oh, this guy's a disaster. <laughs> but he does actually score quite a lot of goals. I think he's on 11 for the season, is it now? And I mean... 11 goals for a number nine Atletico isn't something that we've had all too often um, in recent years. I mean, we have the, the luxury of Luis Suarez, but other than that, 11 goals in the start of March with 24 La Liga games played. I mean, that's not bad going. And I think the issue with Alvaro Morata is that he is very much a form player who has those ups and those downs. And when he's good, he's really good. 
And against Sevilla, he was really good when he came on. He looked so motivated. And I feel like that's where Memphis does have that impact because in the first half of the season, we'd see Merata and it would be, you know, caught offside as he is four or five times a game and right. just throws his arms up in the air, looks frustrated, gets a bit lost and and then we don't see much of him again for a while. But then in this game, he looked like so desperate to to prove a point, to, to show what he's capable of and and I think it was exactly what Diego Simeone would have been hoping for. And and with Morata, you're never quite sure how he might react to these things. So you don't know if, oh, is benching him and putting Memphis in going to wind him up? Is it going to kind of demotivate him more than it's going to motivate him or anything like that? And, and no, I mean, it motivated him. It worked. The plan paid off. And hopefully over the next few weeks, we'll will continue to, to reap the benefits of that. And also because Memphis Memphis looked absolutely exhausted after about 30 minutes. I mean, he looks like me when I play <laughs> five-a-side games on a, on a Wednesday night. He looks like me after about 10 minutes. And, and he's a professional footballer. So, yeah, having that, that alternative is definitely going to be something that's valuable in in this closing stretch of the season. Yeah, and that goes to show just how, how much how much longer Memphis has to go in terms of regaining match fitness and match sharpness. He sat on Barca's bench for practically the whole season before Atletico purchased him uh, just a few months before his contract was due to expire. So it's going to be really interesting to see how Simeone juggles these two. Might there be the potential for a Memphis and Marata pairing with Griezmann behind them? Well, we'll have to see. Uh, on the fifth goal, when Griezmann plays that ball into the to the box, just lofts it over the top, takes out the entire Sevilla defense. Um, the first opportunity to save, did you think Morata was going to miss the rebound? I was a bit worried when he was walking it in and then just winding up to blast it as, as hard as he could into the net. I was a, a, a touch worried, even for a chance that was like worth, what, 0.97 expected goals. I think on another night I might have been, but... <laughs> On Saturday night, it just felt like everything was going in for Atleti, didn't it? I mean, no, on another was. night, I might have been a little bit more stressed, but on Saturday night, it was like, and another one, let's just, let's make it six, why not? And we did actually make it six. So, yeah, it was a great yeah. finish for that sixth goal as well. Um, so really, yeah, uh, practically... Jeremy as well. Alvaro Morata with that shot was 0. 0.98 extra. 0.98, I was, I was this close. <laughs> <laughs> but that does mean that two times out of 100, it would have been missed, and that would be Alvaro Morata both of those times, as we were. <laughs> Very well might have been. Uh, but he, he did get a, a brace of his own uh, alongside Memphis. Yannick Carrasco getting in on the scoring, too. Just his second goal of the year, his first in La Liga since October, and a 4-1 win over Celta. And uh, young Pablo Barrios getting the assist with a really nice uh, kind of backheeled reverse pass to the back post. Sevilla's defense gone missing yet again, and Carrasco again, can't help but tap this in. Uh, I think uh, I mentioned this on last week's show, but I think it's, it's getting a bit more heightened now. More competition in midfield between Barrios and Tom Lema. Lema had a very good game, I thought, on Saturday. His role is very interesting to me, what Simeone is having him do, Sam. He's having him bring the ball up out of defense because neither Jimenez nor Savage is really that good at dictating play from the back. Hermoso is. But when you're playing a, a back five like Atletico essentially were on Saturday with Renildo out, uh, you need someone who can drop deep and bring the ball up with a good passing range and who is pretty resistant to a press. 
for Lemos flaws as a player, he is all of those things. He's really press resistant. He's really agile, really nimble. He completed all 40 of his pass attempts on Saturday. Um, so that's also a, a neat little competition bubbling underneath the surface is how Simeone is going to distribute the minutes between Lema and Barrios. Yeah, I feel like it's, it's almost kind of played into Simeone's hands because Barrios is kind of this young guy, and as we've spoken about in the last few podcasts as well, kind of managing his minutes is a is an important challenge for Diego Simeone. And also Thomas Lamar isn't a guy who physically is in the shape that he can play 90 minutes week in, week out, at right. least at the moment, based off what we've seen in the last few weeks. So I feel like... It's a challenge which kind of plays into Simeone's hands. Lamar isn't going to be complaining if he's coming off on 60 minutes. And Pablo Barrios isn't going to be complaining if he's coming off the bench on 60 minutes. So right now there's that kind of equilibrium that, that things could work out. How long that will still be the case until Pablo Barrios is saying, no, I want to be starting these games and playing until the end or until Thomas Lamar builds up some fitness and is saying that he wants to... <laughs> to be playing 90 minutes week in, week out. But I feel like for now, at least we're in that sweet spot where where everybody's happy and we can can make the most of that. Lamar hasn't played 90 minutes all season, which I felt like that was the case, but I needed to double check. He's crossed 80 a couple of times, but normally Simeone is pulling him after 60, 70 minutes, which doesn't speak all that well of, of the player's fitness. But Lamar is pretty effective when he's available. This has always been the case for for him, other than his his first 12, 18 months at Atletico, Lema for the past now three seasons, when he's been available, when he's been healthy, uh, he's been pretty effective. He's a really useful player to have in this squad because of his ball control, because of his passing range and accuracy. Uh, he could be really important, but it's just, it's very stop-start with him. And he just isn't able to go 90 minutes. Uh, he hasn't done it at all this season. He... I think just crossed a thousand minutes uh, in the derby against Madrid uh, two weekends ago. So that's also something to uh, keep an eye on. Um, Sevilla for a moment, Sam, because oh boy, this was a really bad result for for them as they are are right back into into the relegation fight, which is going to be a long, brutal slog for the rest of the season. Uh, between the team in twelfth and the team in nineteenth, there's only a handful of points separating those seven places uh and Sevilla looked like they were kind of on their way up slowly but steadily uh they lost to Osasuna the previous weekend at home in really uh, really bad uh, fashion with a, a late goal they lost three to two and then they go to the Metropolitano and just get absolutely pumped uh the one goal they scored came on a defensive mistake uh miscommunication between Savage and Witzel leaving a, a big gap at the back and Yusuf and Nasiri just taps it in uh, their record away at, at the, the so-called Big Three, so that would be uh, Atletico, Barca, and Real Madrid, Sam. And their last 43 games to uh, visits to those three stadia, they have drawn 10 and lost 33 with zero wins. Uh, uh, just uh, <laughs> when you think about how good Sevilla have been over that time period as well, I mean, this isn't just some random La Liga team or whatever. This is Sevilla. yeah. For a long time, when the fourth best and the times better than the fourth best team in La Liga, so to have that record is really quite the, the indictment. They were an absolute shambles on Saturday, and I, I, as much as I think Atletico were genuinely really good, like 
brilliant on Saturday, probably their best performance all season. Uh, Sevilla were also really, really bad and, and made life very easy for Atletico, particularly in the second half. It's like the, 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 the Griezmann shot floated in on 53 minutes, uh, and that was right. It, it was kind of, a I, I think, similar to what happened to Man United against your beloved Liverpool on Sunday, Sam. Uh, the, the second and third goals went in, and they just gave up. And I think that's kind of what happened to Sevilla like it did to Man United. Uh, it would be really surreal if Sevilla were to get relegated, but do you think it's really possible? Well, I thought you were going to say get relegated, but win the Europa League. Yeah, yes, I do. That, think that might be possible, yes. They do love They will the... be playing Champions League in Segunda next season. Yes. I mean, I mean it's, it's a weird one, isn't it, with Sevilla, because they can be so good but at the same time they can be so bad but that relegation fight is just so tight I think there's eight teams is it between basically between Espanyol in in 12 right I'm just getting the league table up sorry Celta Vigo in 12th to Valencia in 19th there's five points separating them Espanyol on 27 so that's four points separating seven teams is that yeah four points separating seven teams I mean (sighs) It's so tight. And there are some big clubs in there. I mean, yeah, okay, there's the clubs that we expect to be in there. Real, Valladolid, Cadiz, Almeria. But then they've still got Sevilla, we've got Valencia. I mean, you imagine if Sevilla, Valencia is a Segunda game next season, that would be even <laughs> crazy. Even right? one of them going down. One, but, but yeah, I mean, at the moment, I'm not sure I would put money on Sevilla staying up. And if anything, I'd put money on Valencia to go down. I mean, it's... It's been a very strange season, but particularly in the case of Sevilla, because there has been that incredible fall-off. And I remember at the start of the season, we did a season preview podcast with the guys over at La Liga Lowdown. And, yeah. and they asked me for my prediction on Sevilla, and I said that I thought Lopetegui would be sacked by Christmas and they wouldn't qualify for Europe. And Matt and Tom, the other two guys on the podcast, both kind of sat there with the jaws on the floor, like, don't be ridiculous, like, they won't be that bad. They'll drop off, they might not make top four, but they won't be that bad. And they really have been. They've been worse even than I would have imagined that they could be. So to be quite where they are is really concerning. And you wonder, with Europa League as well, is that a help or a hindrance? I mean, hindrance. playing two games every week is a is a challenge that nobody else, in even in the bottom half, is having to, to handle. So for them to be facing that, and I think that was part of it against Atletico as well, was, I mean, the team that they put out and so on was a, a strong team, it was a good team, but they will have had one eye on the fact that on Thursday night they play Fenerbahce at the big one. And then that influences your decisions of maybe you have players who, like Jesus Navas, who some probably might have left on the bench thinking, you know, Jesus Navas is probably one of our better players, but at 37, he can't play 90 minutes at the Metropolitano and 90 minutes against Fenerbahce on Thursday night. So it's all about balancing it out and, and they have some tough games and I mean, you only have to look at their next week ahead. They've got Fenerbahce at home, Almeria at home, which is a real relegation that's, six-pointer. That's literally a, a relegation six-pointer because they're level in the table. Yeah, and then they've got Fenerbahce away and then Hitafe at away which again is another relegation six yeah. pointer and be playing so much of your season in the next two weeks and to be coming into that run after a 6-1 defeat against Atleti is 
is a real blow, but I think for them as well. I mean, the race passed for that big way. I mean, it's been good since he arrived for them in January, but kind of summarised their season of just what on earth are you doing? Why are you diving in and and taking that second yellow and so on when there's such big games coming up? But maybe as a Sevilla fan, you say, okay, we're going to write off Atletico Madrid away. We're not going to win that one. We're not going to get a point. But we have to beat Almeria at home. We have to beat Atafé away. And that's where you want your Pape Ways players to be available and fit and, and healthy. So just a, a real total perfect storm of disastrous decisions from <laughs> right from the board dismantling and selling both of their centre backs in the same summer to you know this January signing who's been playing quite well, getting sent off the two yellow cards in a six one game. I think just yeah, the the, the red card for, for uh, Pape Gue at the at the end of the game just indicative of how of how naive Sevilla were uh, on Saturday uh, from how Sampaoli from the lineup he named from how he tried to approach the game building through midfield Atletico's first two goals resulted on resulted from misplaced passes in midfield Koke intercepting one to start the counterattack that ended in Memphis's first goal Yorente getting in the way of the second one to eventually set up uh, Memphis's second goal. Uh, Pape Guay's on a yellow card uh, for almost an hour, and Sampaoli doesn't pull him. And now he's suspended for that huge clash with Almeria next weekend. Uh, I wonder if Sampaoli is, is even going to make it through the season. And Sevilla, like Valencia, don't have players who are accustomed to playing in a relegation fight. Like, Sevilla were top four last year. They were playing in the Champions League earlier this season. I know it, it feels like it was a long time ago, but they were a Champions League club playing Manchester City just this season, just a few months ago. And Sevilla, like Valencia, don't have players who have experience in, in a relegation scrap. Catafe do, Cadiz do, Valladolid do, Espanyol do. Uh, and that, that's, that could be decisive. Uh, even if one of those two teams go down, it would be a, a huge trauma for La Liga because there's a lot of history at Sevilla, just like there is at Valencia. Imagine if both of them go down. It would be a, a significant blow, not necessarily to the league's prestige, but like to, to the, the consciousness because Sevilla and Valencia are huge clubs with a lot of history. Like Until Simeone came back to Atletico, Valencia were the third biggest club in Spain. Um, and if it could happen to them, it could happen to you. Yeah, no, on so many levels. I mean, for La Liga as well. I mean, if you're a casual fan and you're tuning in to watch a La Liga game, you want to see the pick one packed out or Mestalla packed out. And I mean, these are big cities, big European destinations when they've been in Europe. And if they go down and are replaced by teams in Segunda, I'm thinking who's up in that relegation race in, sorry, promotion race in Segunda. I mean, Teams like uh, Eibar, for example. I love Eibar. They're a fantastic club. Yeah, yeah, they but are. Looking at Iperua and their stadium where they get kind of 10,000 fans if they sell out, it's not the same as looking at Mestalla or the Pitbull. And if you're a fan or something, saying, I want to travel to Spain and go to a game, it's a lot more difficult to get to Eibar than it is to get to Valencia or Sevilla. I can tell you that. So, yeah, I mean, it's, it's part of the spectacle, isn't it, as well? And I mean, yeah, we love that variety of having these these minnow teams and having teams I don't know, like this season even having Amrady or Girona the slightly smaller teams who aren't always in this division but to a certain extent there are teams that even as a neutral you don't want your athletic club your Sevilla your Valencia to be in Segunda because 
Well, I mean, what does that mean for La Liga? What does it mean for those clubs? I mean, we only have to look at Malaga, who are in the relegation zone in Segunda and are almost certain to be relegated. Look yeah. at Deportivo, La Coruña, who, of course, were Champions League semi finalists 20 years ago and now are in the Primera Federación, the third tier of Spanish football, and struggling to get back up. I mean, they're not the only teams down there either. So it really is a, a slippery slope that makes you think and I mean from an Atletico point of view as well I mean you think about when Atletico relegated at the turn of the century and if that were to happen 10-20 years later would it be so easy to come back up I mean it's it's a a scary what if kind of situation to to consider because it's not so easy once you go down there to come back up it it didn't happen for Atletico right away it took them two years to come back uh yeah, and the the point about Malaga, I didn't realize until yesterday that they were that far off the pace. I knew they were struggling, but ten points off the pace, they're going, they're going to get relegated to the regional tiers, and they were at, they were this close to a Champions League semifinal ten years ago. Just, just crazy. One of the truly one of the reasons why we, we love Spanish football, but uh, you can understand how traumatic it would be when Athletic were genuinely facing relegation a few years ago, I think when Cuco Zaganda was in charge, that was a serious fear when they were hanging out around the relegation zone. I think 2017, 2018, right around there, genuine, sincere worry that Athletic, who had never been relegated, would go down. So again, if, if it can happen to Valencia or Sevilla, it, it can happen to not everyone, but almost, basically, almost everyone else. Um, yeah, I know, and I guess, I mean... We say that now. I'm saying that thinking of a team like Villarreal, for example, thinking of them as a you know, one of the fixtures in the top flight. But it wasn't that long ago that Villarreal were kind of in Segunda in promotion for them. They were kind of the Almandi or Girona or right. a team like that. So I guess there is a period of us getting used to it and how long before we kind of think of as a club as a as a top flight club. And I'm sure if we speak to some of the the Spanish abuelos that I find in the bars and <laughs> whatever around the Metropolitano. You're, they'll probably have a very different view on what clubs are, are Primera clubs because I mean looking down at that that third tier not just Depo but there's also Cordera there's Numantia there's Real Murcia I mean these are teams who have been in the top flight not too long ago so I mean it's a real whole other world Back to Atletico and Simeone for just a moment Sam before we preview Girona and, and uh, get on out of here there has been talk throughout the past year, give or take, that Simeone's reign was coming to an end, that even though he had a contract in 2024, you know, the players weren't responding to him, right? His relationship with the board had kind of cooled. They weren't as close as they once were. Uh, transfer dealings ha- were more and more frequently going through Miguel Angel Gil and, and Berta and the board uh, rather than than through Simeone. They never directly went through Simeone, but he, he's always had somewhat of a say, even though he wasn't the one primarily conducting the deals. Uh, do we now think there has been a significant enough change to where uh, Simeone will, will complete his contract, uh, will stay at least through next season? And if so, how many under-24 players might we have here next year? Just looking toward the future very briefly before we preview Girona, uh, you've got players in contention for this, like maybe Manu Sanchez, who's on loan at Osasuna, uh, Samuelino, who's done great at Valencia, you know, Barrios, who we talked about, uh, Sergio Camero, who's at Rio, maybe Arnaud Martinez, who was at Girona, Roro Riquelme, also at Girona. Uh, 
just how many of, of these kids do we, relatively speaking kids, quote unquote, uh, do we expect could be here next year if Simeone stays and what might realistic expectations be for them? Yeah, I think Diego Simeone, I mean, just in his press conference and things, I wrote about it in Philip Alderon just at the weekend that he looks so much happier. I think he looks so much more positive, so much more optimistic. I mean, mm. I was thinking back to, to the press conference that I was at against Bruges after the 0 0 draw, where he really looked kind of depressed. I mean, sitting through a Diego Simeone press conference. It was like a, it was a little bit like torture. You kind of came out of it the other side feeling a bit down and feeling a bit sorry for him, really. Whereas even that draw at the Bernabeu in the press conference, there he kind of bounces into the, uh, the the press room and it's really bouncing. And obviously the results are very different and so on. But he just looks a lot happier, even on the touchline. He looks a lot more animated again now, which is something that I think there was a period where he looked quite subdued on the touchline. Now he's back to being a bit more. Diego Simeone that we, we know and love. And yeah, I mean, that does seem to be pointing today. I've seen quite a few reports coming out that he will stay for next season. And the last couple of days talks about Luis Enrique having an offer from from Hilmarin and saying that he wanted to know whether Aleti wanted him this summer or not. And you think if all these reports are coming out at the same time, maybe there is something to it, maybe... Luis Enrique is saying, look, I want to know what's going on. The club of Christian Diego Simeone is saying he wants to stay. And if he stays for another year, then I feel like that's a real rebuilding year. I think the squad next season is going to look very different to the squad that we had at the start of this season. I mean, it already looks very different. So after another summer, I think we'll probably see a few players move on this summer. We'll see some of those young guys who you just mentioned come in, and that's a rebuild. That's a start again from scratch almost kind of era which feels like we have one of those every two or three years at Atletico mm. but I mean it's a, it's a new era if Simeone wants to stay to do that this doesn't feel like he's only going to stay for 12 months and then move on and ditch this really young squad so it does feel like it could be around for, for quite a while yet but I imagine a lot of that will depend on next season how Atletico next season how quickly those young players settle in and, and the level that they're up to because it's one thing to be playing very well Vigivona it's another thing to come in and do the same for Atletico on a week in week out basis it's a whole other level plus you add in Champions League you add in whatever it might be and it's a whole other test so I feel like Simeone right now I would say he will be staying he will be here next year and this moment in time if you ask me if he's going to be here this time next year I would say he's probably going to be here in two or three years time as well because I feel like it's a commitment to a project and a rebuild that that you're not going to to sack Simeone one year into trying something new so I feel like it's yeah a, a new project a new commitment and Diego Simeone is up for it which I would say that he is looking at him in the last few weeks months then Good news for Atletico, and I would say that we'll see him for, for a little while longer. And despite uh, Heel professing his admiration for Luis Enrique, uh, even going so far as to say he nearly hired him uh, back in 2010, 2011, uh, Simeone does still have a contract for another year. And Heel also said, almost in the same breath, he does not want to be in charge of an Atletico de Madrid that does not have Cholo Simeone as, as its manager. Um, and, you know, one way to ensure that is to 
you know, keep the coach. Uh, is that the coach stays? Maybe they talk about a renewal at some point. Uh, who knows? Uh, it, it really does seem more fluid. Um, it, it doesn't seem even when earlier this season, even when when the the talk was you know heavily centered on like this is the end, things are really bad, which you know we acknowledged on our show and on our site at the time. You know, things can change very quickly in, in this sport from both positive to negative and, and negative to positive. That's one of the reasons why it's so fun to follow uh, slash maddening to follow. But we'll see how the rest of this season goes. I don't think it's a coincidence that Atletico are looking better, fitter, sharper, uh, playing just one game a week. Uh, no Copa del Rey commitments, no European commitments. All they have to focus on is top four, which they're, I'd say, pretty likely to get now. Uh, but you got to keep piling up results, Sam. And the next chance to do that is on Monday night, a visit to Montalivi to play Girona, uh, a pretty entertaining Girona side with some very good young players, including our own Roro Riquelme, uh, Arnel Martinez, the former uh, Barcelona defender who has been linked with Atletico in recent weeks, Alex Garcia, who uh, has pretty quietly been one of the best playmaking midfielders in La Liga this season, Miguel Gutierrez, formerly of Real Madrid, good young fullback. Uh, Girona are also really good at home. Uh, six wins, three draws, three defeats. They lost to Hitafe this past weekend. They've shipped at least two goals in each of their past four games. So I'm expecting a, maybe another uh, goal fest here uh, at Montalivi on Monday. Yeah, I think. Uh, Girona shot 38 goals in La Liga, the same number as Atleti. Obviously, Bruce's by that Sevilla win. Um, but only Barcelona and Real Madrid have conceded more. And then I think there's only teams that have conceded more than Girona have conceded so the goal difference is actually zero yeah despite having that incredible goal scoring record so it does feel a little bit um of a weird team to watch to put it that way but also I mean I feel like I don't remember the last time Atletico went to Girona and won it feels like a, a rare occurrence and a record there in the last few years hasn't been particularly good I think there was a Copa del Rey trip which was a draw. There was a La Liga trip, which was another draw. When they got promoted to La Liga, I think it was a draw. So I'm not sure actually the last never time won. that. I don't think they've ever won. Never won. Yeah. I was going to say, I'm not sure how many visits there have been from Atletico to, to Montelivi. I remember those three draws. So I imagine that's probably it. And this isn't going to be an easy game. I think it could be a, a fairly entertaining one, although I'm almost hoping that for Atletico, the less entertaining it is, I think the the more comfortable it will be for Atleti. So, yeah, it could be a, a tricky challenge and a very different one, perhaps, to what we saw with um, Sevilla, where their defence opened up and they just couldn't get back into it. So, we'll have to to see how how Atleti handle that and and so on. Because I don't think they're the best attacking team, but at the same time, they do score goals for fans. So. It's, it's a hard one to put your finger on. They do. They have they, they play a pretty vibrant style under Michel. Uh, they have, again, some, some really intriguing and, and talented players in the squad. They're probably going to stay up. They're on 30 points. They're just a couple of points clear uh, of that big old relegation scrap that's enveloping so so many teams in La Liga. They're, they're on 30 points right now. Uh, and perhaps to match Girona's home form, Atletico have seven wins and only uh, two losses uh, away from home uh, this season. They're on a, a good run of form right now, unbeaten in seven. And uh, Girona, again, losing this past weekend to Hetafe, a really big result uh, for Kike Sanchez-Flores and his side. 
How do we see this one going, Sam? It's a Monday night game, so it'll be a little bit weird in terms of the time and in terms of the date, which can have an effect. I can't remember the last time Atletico played on a Monday. Not gonna lie. I mean, yeah, I think there was a Friday night not that long ago last season. Was it? There was a Friday night, I think, but a Monday. I mean, it's been a, a very long time that I can't remember a, an Atleti game on a Monday night. And I mean, just before we started recording, we were talking about how it was almost like a surprise. I was looking through the fixtures a little while ago and was was trying to work out when when Atleti were playing. And I was like, wait, it's not here on Saturday. It's not here on Sunday. It's not on Friday. And then realised it was Monday, but yeah, I guess that's the the consequence of not being in Europe or the Copa del Rey or anything like that. Yeah, not really a, a need to schedule them like for, for for this time on a Saturday or this time on a Sunday. I remember the year, the last time we won the Europa League, almost all of our league games, the second half of that season, were on a Sunday because we had Thursday games. This year, it, it's not necessarily the case. I'm looking forward to this one. Um, of course, I think we're hoping Atletico notch a win here, but it, this could be a pretty enter- entertaining game. You're going to have some really good players, and Atletico are on a good run of form. It, w- it could be an, a pretty nice clash of styles. I, I think we're going to approach this game a bit differently from the Sevilla game. Uh, our goal was to, was to give Sevilla the ball and hit them on the counter, which we did multiple times, um, and, and I think that the way Atletico set up will, will, lend, will lend itself to a, a nice... A nice contrast of styles in this game uh, next Monday. Um, But we will be back here next week to talk about that game and everything surrounding it. We're going to leave it there for this edition of Colt Chanero Chat. Sam Leverage, thank you so much for joining me today. Thanks for having me, John. You can find us both on Twitter. You can read our work at Into the Calderon. Uh, Also, make sure you uh, subscribe to uh, our Patreon page, patreon.com slash Colt Chanero Chat, where I'll be dropping a bonus pod a little later on this week. Uh, for some of our Colchonero chat amigos, you can listen to all new and archived episodes of this program and our sister program, the Partido a Partido podcast, really wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, just uh, search Atletico Madrid Podcast Network. You'll find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever else. We will be back next week. Until then, thank you for listening and adios. Adios.